all of us have heard of AA, and they have a saying that actually was a quote from Albert Einstein, which is this, to do the same thing over and over again, but to expect a different result is the definition of insanity. Now, if I'm standing here and I want to sit in that chair, but I'm unwilling to move, that's crazy. Like, I could say, oh, I feel like sitting in that chair. I, I could think happy thoughts about sitting in the chair. I could even make a plan to sit in the chair. But if I won't take a step from here to there, I'll never sit in the chair. And to think that I will be is insanity. To not change my behavior and to expect a different result is crazy. So what we're going to do this next four weeks is we're going to talk about moving. We're going to talk about the spiritual growth continuum. Now, if you've heard that phrase before, that's because you've been around New Life since at least 2019, because we did this series in 2019, 2015, and 2012. First of all, if anybody has not been at New Life, um, you came after 2019. Raise your hand if, if you did. Okay, so see, that's why we're doing this series again, because we want everybody to have the same basic foundation in Jesus Christ. So that's one reason. The second reason for all of you who didn't raise your hand is because repetition is the mother of learning. And one of the things that I've learned, if I've learned anything, is it's easy to get information into our heads. In fact, it's so easy. I mean, we, it happens without us even knowing it. Every moment of every day, people are trying to put information into our heads. But Jesus didn't say that we need to get information in our heads. Actually, what Jesus said, it's out of the abundance of our heart that our mouth speaks. So really what needs to happen is we need to get information about Jesus, about his truth, about his love into our heads and eventually it has to work its way into our hearts because that's when we will actually speak truth and love and live truth and love in our lives. So the spiritual growth continuum addresses the most important movement in our lives, spiritual movement or spiritual growth. As we're going to see during this series, we start out Everybody starts out actually far from God. If we want to be like Jesus, and that's the goal of the Christian life, is to be like Jesus, to think, to, to speak, and to act like Jesus, then we have a long distance to go because we all start out very far from God. The moment of new birth, as Jesus called it, being born again, is similar to the moment of our physical birth. I was born at 6 o'clock on Friday, June 7th, 1957. And some of you are going, wow, you are old. I mean, it is true. You know how you have to fill out forms on, on your phone sometimes and then you have to scroll down to the date of your birth? Like, I'm like, I mean, I'm really old. It's not, it's not a joke. But the thing is, after I was born on, on June 7, 1957, I was a baby and I grew into a toddler, and then I grew in, into a child, and then I grew into an adolescent, and then I grew into an adult, and an older and older and older adult. I'm 66 years old because I was born June 7th, 1957. If I was June, born June 6th, 1957, I'd be 67 years old. Physical growth is inevitable. You don't have a choice about it. You, you either keep growing older or, or you die. But it isn't that way with spiritual growth. In fact, in spiritual growth, it should be the same way. Every day, you should get more and more and more like Jesus. I should become more and more and more like Jesus. But spiritual growth isn't like physical growth in this way. You have to be intentional. I have to be intentional. We will not grow spiritually unless we intend to do so. So let's jump right into the first stage of the spiritual growth continuum. It's called explorers. 
If you've ever read my book, Life Cycle of a Christian, you know that I have always been intrigued with this idea of why is it that people are born again spiritually and they're supposed to grow up and become mature spiritually, but so many never do. For some reason, they just stay as spiritual babies or, or toddlers. There, there isn't this growth process. Jesus intended us, as we will see, to grow up, to be fully mature. And here we're going to use four words about the stages along the continuum. And, and I'm going to tell you what they are right now. I'm going to say it again in a minute. But explorers are first. And actually, there is a group of, there are a group of people, or is a group of people, is a group. There is a group of people earlier than explorers. There are people who don't care. They don't know if there's a God. They don't care if there's a God. They're, they're not even explorers. But there are explorers, and then there are believers, and then there are disciples, and then there are spirit-led followers of Jesus Christ. And what we're going to do as we look at this continuum, there, there are three things that we're going to do. Number one is we're going to determine where we are on the spiritual growth continuum. Have you ever been someplace and you didn't know exactly where you are and you find one of those maps that says you are here? And once you know where you are, then you can know where you're going to go. So we need to know where we are. Secondly, we need to consider how to move to the next level, wherever we are. How do we move to the next step, the next level in the continuum? And finally, we're gonna learn how to help one another to move because spiritual growth is not it's not an individual sport, it's a team sport. It's for all of us to do together. So here's today's take-home point. If you're new, the take-home point is the one point that I'm going to be offering right now uh, that's going to show us the scripture that we're going to use. Well, it's, I'm going to read some scripture, how we live out that scripture in the week ahead. And here it is. We can measure spiritual growth. And knowing where we are helps us to know where we need to grow. We can measure spiritual growth. And knowing where we are right now can help us to see where we need to grow. About 20 years ago, I, it, the first time I did this, I said a decade ago, so that means it's about 20 years ago, Willow Creek Church did a survey that was taken 20 years ago by a quarter of a million people. So probably a half a million people have taken it now. People of all uh, churches across America, all different ages, all different backgrounds, and they found out this. It identified four specific stages, which I've already told you, explorer, believer, disciple and spirit led okay so today we're going to talk about explorers as you might expect guess what we're going to talk about next week believers and the next week disciples and the next week spirit led followers of Jesus and each week we're going to look at the top five things the blank segment once from you and your church obviously the blank this week is explorers next week it'll be believers and so on and the you is you and your you and me in our church which is new life so here's a quick definition of what it means to be an explorer. Explorer, the people in this segment have a basic belief in God, but they are unsure about Jesus and his role in their lives. So before we go anywhere further, I would like to root this conversation in the word of God, because that's what we always do here at New Life. We're not just talking about a survey. We're talking about the word of God and how we live it out in our lives. So before we do that, pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your goodness and love. Thank you so much that you created us as physical beings, but also as spiritual beings. Thank you that we actually are spiritual beings in a physical existence, and we're going to live on forever. And God, I pray right now as we talk today about explorers, that you will help us to understand that well, that's where we all started out. We all started out knowing at one point that there's a God, but not sure about Jesus. 
And so today I pray for all of us, wherever we are, God, that Jesus would become the center of our lives and that we would live in the power of Jesus and his spirit from this moment forward. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first scripture is going to sound very familiar because I just read it during the commissioning. We call it the Great Commission. It goes like this. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The second scripture we're going to read is also probably familiar to most of us. It's called the Great Commandment. Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment in the law? In other words, what is the most important commandment in the whole Old Testament? And Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commands. Now, the last scripture we're going to read right now is found in John chapter 14, verse 21. While it might not be as familiar as the first two, it's crucial. It says this, Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. So each of those three scriptures tell us what it means to follow Jesus. The first one says that we need to have Jesus be our master and we are his disciple. Any of you have ever taken a martial art know that you have an instructor and sometimes the instructor is called a master because they've attained a certain level of proficiency in that martial art and you are a student more often called a student but sometimes a disciple. So a disciple is simply a learner who learns from a master. Then Jesus said we're supposed to go out and make disciples learners who are going to follow Jesus the one true master. And then the second scripture reminds us about love. First of all, we're supposed to love God. And then we're supposed to share that love for God with everybody, ourselves and everybody else. And then finally, the interesting thing is that Jesus said to follow him, actually to love him means to obey him. I don't know how many people are aware of that, but people say all the time, if I said to you, do you love Jesus? Almost everybody would say yes. But then I said, oh, really? So you obey him? Oh, well, that's a different story. You know, I, I love him, but I'm not sure I obey him. Well, Jesus said, if you love me, then you will obey me. So as we're talking through this process of explorer to believer to disciple to spirit-led, one of, the, one of the, I guess you would say, points along the way is to transfer ownership of our life that's how you get from explorer to believer, to Jesus so that we can actually start to obey his commands. But to use the spiritual growth continuum in language, what we're going to talk about is moving. Moving from this part, explorer, all the way through ultimately to being spirit-led followers of Jesus. Today's scriptures assume that we've already moved from stage one, explorer, to believer, right? I mean, actually, when Jesus said make disciples, he's talking about the third stage already. So even though we're talking about explorers, we read a scripture that says what you need to do is become a disciple. That was, that was the minimum that Jesus expected, and that's only because the Holy Spirit hadn't come yet. Once the Holy Spirit came, then he would expect everybody to be a spirit-led follower of Jesus. But I want to remind you again, what is an explorer? If you're an explorer, you have a basic belief in God. You believe, you look around and you see a creation and you say, well, there's a creation, there must be a creator, but... You're unsure about Jesus and his role in your life. That might describe you. I hope it does describe some of you. 
I hope some of you are here today. Maybe you have a family and all your family are believers or disciples or somewhere along the continuum and, and you're still at the explorer stage. You're just not sure yet. Or maybe a friend dragged you to church today and that's okay. I mean, I'm not dragging part, but we're glad you're here. Um, and, and maybe you just heard this church is sort of different and you just wanted to try it out. Whatever reason you're here, we're glad that you're here. And what we know about you, if you're an explorer from those quarter of a million surveys is there are five top things that you find most important in a church. And so these five things are, number one, help in developing a personal relationship with Jesus. Two, compelling worship services. Three, a feeling of belonging. Four, help in understanding the Bible in greater depth. And five, church leaders who model and consistently reinforce how to grow spiritually. Now, those five things are important to all of us. It doesn't matter where we are on the spectrum. We need those five things. But if you're an explorer, these are the essentials. One of the things that we can promise you, if you're an explorer and you come here to New Life on a week-to-week -week basis, you will always, every single service, we offer an opportunity for you to make a personal commitment to Jesus. Because if that's one of the most important things, that's the top number one thing, I mean, after all, if you're an explorer, you're sure there's a God, but you're not so sure about Jesus, what we want to help you do is to understand who Jesus is and come to know him as Savior and Lord in your life. Now, the second thing said that we're committed to providing compelling worship services. What does that mean? As I was thinking about that, and one of the things, um, this may be a little weird about me, but I'm pretty much thinking about my messages all the time. And I wrote this message a couple weeks ago. And last weekend, I was on an airplane. I was going out to Colorado to visit Pastor Brad and Sam. And, and so I, I had finished listening to a podcast or something. So I got out the airline magazine and I opened up. The, the thing that struck me is on the cover, there was an article about Alice Cooper. Now, Alice Cooper was one of my favorite groups when I was a teenager. It was Alice Cooper, Beatles, Billy Joel, James Taylor. Those would be my main ones. I know that's pretty eclectic, a little different group genre. But as I read it, Alice Cooper is 76 years old. James Taylor, 75 years old. Billy Joel, 74 years old. Paul McCartney, 80 years old. And Ringo Starr, 82 years old. What that means is when all the people that you used to listen to are that old, <laughs> you're old. Um, and, and, and anyway, you know, I have to admit it, I am. And, and all my people that I used to like, they're, they're like almost dead. Um, so some of them are. I mean, some of them are, right? So anyway, I would listen to that music all week long and then I would go to church. You want to know something? There was no music that sounded like Billy Joel or Alice Cooper or the Beatles there. In fact, my Aunt Martha, my great Aunt Martha played the piano, and she played it slow. Um, the, the songs were already slow, but they were slower whenever Aunt Martha played them. And so it didn't feel like I had just walked in off the street, if you know what I'm saying. It, it felt like I had walked into some kind of a time warp. Um, but anyway, compelling worship. When we started New Life 22 years ago, Nancy and I decided that we would have indigenous worship which would be more compelling, we hoped, which would mean that when you came off the street, if you had never been in a church before, that when you sang the songs, you might not sing the songs the first time, that's okay, but, but you would hear the music and you would go, oh, it's a nice beat, easy to dance to, I give it eight. You know, the words would be different, very different than Alice Cooper in particular, although Alice Cooper, Cooper writes Christian songs now, some pretty good ones actually. But anyway, I don't want to get off on that tangent. The point is this, compelling worship involves Worship. It involves singing praise to God. That, that's one of the things that it involves. It involves reading the Word of God, reading the Scripture. 
It involves preaching and proclaiming the word of God. And one of the things that you can be sure, no matter which of the five of us who preach on a regular basis are up here, we have prepared before we sat down or stood up to preach. This is not the first time I've seen this information. And it's not just because we've done this series before. In fact, most of this information is a little different than it was before because I want it to be fresh. But at the same time, I want it to be anchored in the Word of God. That's what compelling worship is really all about. It's anchored in the Word of God, whether it's the songs or whether it's the the Scripture, whether it's the message or whether it's prayer. And, And there's prayer before, during, and after the service. So those things provide for compelling worship. One of, uh, of the top five things that we mentioned, you know, so far, we, we talked about giving this opportunity to have a relationship with Jesus and compelling worship. And the third thing is this sense of belonging. If you're an explorer, you want a sense of belonging. We invest more time in that than just about anything here at New Life. When you come to New Life, I want you to know you will never be a visitor here. You're not a visitor the first time you come here. You're a guest. Do you know the difference between a visitor and a guest? When a visitor knocks at your door, that means you don't know who they are. Now, I'm an I'm a outgoing, extroverted, like, I'll invite somebody in even if I don't know them. But a lot of times, somebody knocks at your door, you don't know them, you say, hey, get out of here, I don't, I don't want to talk to you. But if they're a guest, you know, at our house, if you're a guest, you can be sure, you're probably coming for a meal, Nancy's going to cook a really good meal, and I'll wash the dishes after, because if it's, we reverse that order, it's not going to be a really good meal. <laughs> and, and, Back in the day when we didn't have a building and we used to do youth group at our house, every Sunday afternoon, when youth group was Sunday night, every Sunday afternoon, the four of us, Abby, Emmy, and Nancy and me, we did what we called the 10-minute tidy. I don't know if you've ever heard of a 10-minute tidy, but it just means that you straighten up everything. Because we lived in Nancy Marshall's house, it was already clean, but because we lived in Chris Marshall's house, it needed to be tidied, okay? So we tidied things up because guests were coming. And so when you come... We expect you. We expect that there will be guests here every single week. I don't know if you've ever been in a church where they weren't expecting guests. And I'm not trying to say bad things about other churches, but I have been in a church where I walked in the door and it was obvious they didn't expect me to come. And they might not have been that excited about me coming. And and then I sat down in the wrong seat and and it was not a good experience. And if I had not already been a spirit-led follower of Jesus, I might not have ever come back to church. So we want you to experience a sense of belonging. You know, in some churches, again, you have to believe what they believe, behave like they behave, and then belong for like maybe 10 years. Then you can belong, belong. But we want you to know we have two requirements for you to come here and belong. The first one is you need to be breathing. If you're not breathing, we want you to stay home today. And the other is you need to follow our dress code, which is wear some. Okay, that's it, that's all. Um, And and if you do that, we want you to know, here at New Life, you belong on the first day. So wherever you are on the the spiritual growth continuum, if you're here for the first time, welcome. We're so glad you're here. If there's anything that we can do to make the process of being here better, just let us know. We want to do it. Okay, then, the next thing is this Bible teaching. So the team, the, the teaching team here is deeply committed to helping you understand the Bible in greater depth when you come here on the weekend. We believe that the Bible is God's word. It's the only guide that we have for our daily lives. And there's a lot of guides out there in the world, but the only one that's faithful, the only one that's true, the only one that will actually make our lives be the way they were created to be is the word of God. That's it. 
And so whoever's up here preaching is going to preach from the Word of God, and they, are gonna, they already will have studied the Word of God, will be ready for that. Now, I want to say something. This is not the best venue for studying the Word of God. First of all, at most, it's 30 minutes long, which isn't very long. Secondly, we, we have people here who are explorers, people who are believers, people who are disciples, and people who are spirit-led. And everybody needs something different at different stages. And so what we are seeking to do as we come together is to, number one, help everybody who isn't yet a follower of Jesus to know how to become a follower of Jesus. Explore, become a believer. And then, obviously, we're helping people to grow. We also have, for children... We have the, the kids' ministry, New Life Kids. We have New Life students on Tuesday evenings for kids in 6th through 12th grade. We have small groups, which is a much better venue for digging deeper into the Word. And also, uh, as you get farther down the spectrum here, and we're going to talk about this, you become more and more responsible for your own growth. Just as whenever I became, actually in my life, it was probably around 14, I started becoming much more responsible, especially 16 when I got my driver's license, my own life. And in spiritual terms, as we get older and older, we become more and more responsible for our own spiritual growth. So next weekend, we're going to talk about the believer stage, and we're going to talk more about some of the content of our faith. Pastor Alex is going to do that, and I already read his message, so I'm excited about it. Um, but right now, what we're going to do is we're going to understand this. In the Great Commission, what did Jesus say? We are supposed to, he says, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. I can't do everything Jesus commanded me, and you can't do everything Jesus commanded you until you learn the commands. And so that's part of this whole process. And then the top fifth things that explorers want from um, new life is church leaders who model and consistently reinforce how to grow spiritually. I am profoundly grateful that I get the opportunity every single day to work with men and women on staff and also team leaders and, and people that are leading ministries here at New Life who are committed to Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, who are committed to living in integrity and continuing to grow. The folks who lead at New Life want everybody to be able to see their example. Remember the Apostle Paul, you might not, but the Apostle Paul said this, imitate me as I imitate Christ. I want people to be able to say that. So often you, you'll hear a sports personality or a celebrity and they'll do some stupid thing in their life and then they'll say, well, I'm not an example. Yes, you are. You're just a bad one. All of us are examples. You know, we are all examples. All of us. Every, every day people are watching. Maybe it's our children. Maybe it's people at school. Maybe it's coworkers. Whoever it is. Somebody's watching us. And the goal of our lives here at New Life, especially among the staff, uh, hopefully among all of us, is that we will be people of integrity, which means simply that we do the best we can do to reflect the image of Jesus Christ in our lives in the power of the Holy Spirit, and when we make a mistake, we admit it. After first worship today, there was a person that I heard had an issue with me, so I went up and I said, hey, um, do we have a problem here? And he said, no, we don't. And I said, well, I just want to make sure. And we talked about it, talked it through, and I said, this is what I meant, this is what you understood, now do we understand the same thing? Yes. And I was a little bit at fault, and I wanted to make sure that he understood that I didn't think I was beyond correction. In fact, if I do anything or say anything, if I ever teach anything from this place and you say, that's not from the Word of God, then please, I mean, don't tell me that Alice Cooper isn't in the Bible, I know that. Okay, but 
If, if, if everything I say doesn't point back to the scripture and to Jesus, then tell me about it so that we can get that corrected because that's the goal. So I would encourage any of you who are explorers to ask us about this process. And it is a process of moving from explorer to believer to disciple to spirit-led follower of Jesus. You know, um, if, if I were to put myself on the spectrum, I'm over here. Um, I'm a spirit-led follower of Jesus. And yet there's still so much more for me to learn and for me to grow and do. And here's the cool thing. One of the exciting aspects of spiritual growth continuum is we always have room for growth. I'm never going to get to the point where I say, well, I don't need to read another book. I don't need to watch that podcast. I don't need to read the Bible or listen to it. In fact, I've been spending, since Thursday night, I went to hear John Bevere and he was talking about the fear of God. And one of the things that I was thinking about was, I don't remember Jesus saying very much about the fear of God. So I've been listening through the four gospels. I'm almost half done. And I'm, I'm gonna keep listening and to make sure, I'm not saying he was wrong, he was right. But, but I wanna know what Jesus himself said about the fear of God. Because at that level, that's where I am. I wanna make sure that everything that I think, say, and do ultimately comes back to Jesus Christ. So, you might never have considered where you are on the spiritual growth connect, uh, continuum, or you might not even consider that there is a spiritual growth continuum. We recognize some of you don't yet know Jesus as your Savior and Lord, and we recognize some of you just made that commitment, and some of you are on this path of walking with Jesus, and some of you have been walking with Jesus for a really long time. The thing is, wherever we are, we offer this series to help us do those things we talked about, to figure out where we are, to figure out how we take our next step and to help each other because we never get too far along, this, along the continuum that we don't need to remember that we could possibly need to go back and cover the basics once again. When Jesus told the original 12, 11 disciples, because Judas had hanged himself after turning Jesus in, Jesus tells the 11 disciples right before he goes back to heaven to make disciples as they were going from place to place, baptizing them and teaching them and knowing that he's going to be with them, they would have understood in, I'm thinking intuitively, they would have understood this is a process. The reason I say that is because three years of process had already been going on with these disciples. They met Jesus. They were explorers at that point. And Jesus was cool. I mean, if you were one of those guys that got to live with him for three years, I would have to say it was probably the most amazing experience ever in the history of the world. But at first, they didn't know for sure if he was the Messiah, if he was just a great rabbi, or if he just had some different ideas. And, 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 and if, in fact, the day Jesus died... He had a bunch of disciples, but on that day, they all went back to being explorers. Did you ever think about that? They, they didn't believe he was the Lord anymore. They didn't believe he was the Messiah anymore. They just thought he was dead. That was on Friday. So then on Sunday, two of them were walking from Jerusalem. They decided to go home because what's the point? Jesus not around anymore. We might as well go home. So they're walking on the way from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And as they're walking on that road... Um, Jesus comes by. He's, a, he's risen from the dead. He comes by. They don't know it's Jesus, though. And he says, hey, guys, what's going on? And they're like, are you the only person in Jerusalem who doesn't know what happened there this past couple days? And he said, what do you mean? And, and they said, well, Jesus. We, we, and this is what they said. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. Well, He's dead. Now, there's some women who say he, they saw him alive, but we know that can't be true. 
So he's dead. And Jesus doesn't, doesn't say, hey, it's me. He says, well, don't you know what the scriptures say? And he started taking them through the scriptures. And verse by verse, he, he, he shows them that the Messiah had to suffer, had to die, and then was going to rise again. And so they're talking, and time just passed. You know, it's eight-mile walk from Jerusalem to Emmaus, and they take this eight-mile walk, and, and Jesus acts like he's going to keep on going because they're at their house. And, 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 and they say, no, 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 come on in, come on in. Have dinner with us. And so they sit down together, and Jesus gets some bread, and he breaks it. And when he breaks the bread, they recognize him. It's Jesus. And they went from explorer to, uh, to believer to disciple again, all in a, just a moment, just like that. And remember what I said when you're a baby? In 1957, it takes you 66 years to look like this. But you could be a baby in spirit today, and you could be a mature believer in just a couple of years. It's really all it takes. It's, it's really a matter of intention and commitment and letting the Holy Spirit work in your life. So anyway, I said earlier that I identify myself as a spirit-led follower of Jesus, and yet I've back stepped a couple steps here and there every now and then it's a it's a it's a thing that we're always supposed to be going in that direction we're supposed to be going in the direction of growing up to be more and more like Jesus so if you are an explorer here's what I want you to know your key move is to trust Jesus as your savior and lord be born again to use Jesus name for moving from being explorer and trusting him as savior and lord Next week, we're going to talk about believers, and then next week, so on and so forth. But right now, I want every one of us, no matter where you are with Jesus, I want you to ask this simple question. What do I believe about Jesus? Notice I said, what do I believe about Jesus? Not what do I think about Jesus. I don't want to know what the content of your brain is about Jesus, that he seemed like he was the Messiah, that he was a great teacher, that he probably rose from the dead. And all. I don't want to know what your brain thinks about Jesus. But I want to know what you believe. In your heart, what, what do you understand about Jesus? Because that is the most important reality. Jesus, when we believe that he is Savior and Lord, no longer is just an idea. No longer is just some ancient teacher. But he's a present reality. And he lives in us by the power of his Holy Spirit. Now, while every move along the continuum is important, the first move is the most important. Obviously, if you're an explorer and you become a believer, that's not just a physical step, but that's an eternally significant step. You move from darkness into light, the scripture says. You move from death into life. The survey of 250,000 people so long ago said that the longer you stay as an explorer without taking that step of becoming a believer, the more likely it is that you just stay as an explorer. In fact, those who stay at the explorer level for five years or more are extremely unlikely to ever take the step into faith. What happens is you just sort of become a churchgoer. And, and, and the change to becoming a believer doesn't happen. So, obviously, from this perspective over here as a spirit-led follower of Jesus, I think the best day to come to know Jesus is today. If you don't know him yet, today is the best day to do that. And, and right now, if you're an explorer and you're not ready to do that, then I would encourage you at least this. Do some more exploring. Keep exploring. Don't become stagnant in that level of explorer. Just keep exploring. Give yourself opportunity to find out about Jesus and more reasons to believe in him. Every person trusts Jesus as Savior and Lord in his or her own timing. 
And yet the best time to do that is always now. For those of us who have already become believers, over the next several weeks, we're going to talk about moving along from believer to disciple to spirit-led and what that looks like. We're going to close right now with a next step. For those of you who are new, it's an action point. And it's an action point. I'll be honest with you. You can only do this action point if you're either a believer, a disciple, or spirit-led. And here it is. I will love God and others more fully to fulfill the great commission and great commandment in my life. You see, once Jesus is Lord and Savior in our life, and we're believers or disciples or spirit-led followers, we can start living out what he told us to do. He told us before we could do it what we need to do. And then he died on the cross to give us the power to be able to do it. Well, actually, he rose from the dead to show us the power that we have in our lives. And then we start to doing it. So when it comes to loving Jesus, commitment to Jesus, when we do that and put him first in our life, very first thing, every single moment of our lives, what will happen is we will live out the Great Commission and the Great Commandment more and more. Amen? So if you're an explorer right now, you're over here, and you want to take the step from explorer to believer, here at New Life we say it's simple, but it's not easy. In fact, what I want to tell you is, if you move from explorer right now to believer your life may not get better. I know I'm supposed to tell you, oh man, it's the greatest thing, it's awesome, it's wonderful. It's, it is, all of those things. But it's not necessarily better because here's what I know. Jesus, the son of the living God said to his disciples, in this world you will have trouble. So if I tell you, you trust Jesus, you're an explorer, you become a believer and everything will be wonderful and then tomorrow you wake up and it's not, you're gonna believe one of two things. This is what you should believe, the pastor didn't tell you the truth. But what you might believe is, huh, must not be true. Jesus must not be able to be Lord and God and Savior in my life. But the reality is, he is. And in a world like the world we live in, where whatever people believe is whatever people believe and whatever you want to do is okay, and Jesus says, well, there are some actually boundaries around life, and we have to live within those boundaries? Well, that's not going to sound like fun. It isn't always fun to follow Jesus. But it's always better. And so if you want to know, how do I do this? How do I move from explorer to believer? Well, the first thing we do, we call it, we call it the ABCs here. We admit. We admit that we haven't been a believer. We have been a, a sinner. We have been on the, this side of this continuum. And we believe there's a God, which is a really good start. But we haven't really put Jesus in the seat where he belongs, which is the throne of our lives. And then B, we believe, not think. I mean, yes, we do have to think, but we have to get the thoughts from here to here. Longest 18 inches in the world sometimes is the distance from here to here where we have to get it from just being a thought to saying, I trust. That's really what belief means, I trust. Like if, if I were to jump right here down to there right now, I would probably not trust very many people to catch me. In this room, probably just Jim Brown. But, I mean, I might take two or three others of you, right? And, and I say, would I believe that Tim could catch me? I believe it, but I'm not sure I could trust him. You know what I mean? Because I'm bigger than him. So, so belief, in the sense we're talking about, is we trust that Jesus will be there when we jump. We believe he's Savior, rescuer from sin and death, and Lord, which means master, owner, God. And then finally, we confess that Jesus is God. And we'd start with God. 
We start to say, God, I have this relationship with you now, so I want you to know, your son, he's my Savior and Lord right now. And, and I need your Holy Spirit to come in and take over because I'm not going to be able to do this correctly. And that's the truth. If we're ever going to move that way, we've got to be walking with the Holy Spirit, not on our own. So that's how it works. If you want to do that, move from explorer to believer right now, then pray with me. I'm going to pray as if I'm a person who's moving into this believing role, and I'm going to ask you to pray with me. Heavenly Father, first of all, I do believe that you exist. I believe that you created everything that exists. And right now, I admit to you that I haven't lived as if your son Jesus is anything. Maybe a good guy, but really, I, it hasn't changed me. I admit that I've lived a way that I shouldn't have lived. And so right now, I, I believe. In my heart, I trust that Jesus is Savior and Lord. And I transfer ownership to him. And I confess to you, God, that, that I need you and I need him, I need your spirit, I need you to walk with me, to lead me, to guide me, to be inside me and outside of me, and, and that, that when you do that, I know that my life will be forever different, and I claim that difference right now. And God, for all of us who have prayed a prayer something like that, I pray for a fresh outpouring of your Holy Spirit, that we will not only hear your voice on a daily basis, that we will also do your will in the power of your spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.